Welcome into Mining Stock Daily. It's Friday morning. That means it's time for the long-form in-depth interview series as we like to air every Friday. This is your host, Trevor Hall. Thank you so much for joining us in this just historical week that we've had here in the equities market, not just precious metals and miners, uh, but just just all around. Just, just incredible what has happened the last five days. Uh, I did get a touch base with our friend Willem Middlecoop, who's the author of The Big Reset, to really get his thoughts on here. And this was not planned this week. We've had this on the schedule for a long while. It just happened to be this week was the week. So pretty uh, happy with the timing of all that. Really informative, um, just kind of theoretical conversation that Willem and I had. So that's going to be our first segment. And then we're going to turn it over to Clint Nauman, CEO of Alexco Resources and their Kino Hill project up in the Yukon, Great Silver Play, uh, Great Silver Mine. That will be the next great mine of Yukon. So it's a good conversation with Clint. Always a pleasure to connect with him, although he was on the other side of the world. So it's a little early for him that day, but I appreciate him uh, coming on the show. Special thanks to our sponsors of the podcast. That includes Integra Resources, Western Copper and Gold, Corvus Gold, and Rio 2. We appreciate your continued support of the podcast. You can go to miningstockdaily.com to see a full rundown of all of our sponsors, along with all of this week's episodes. So a little bit of a longer episode, pushing about an hour today. So we're just going to kick it off with Willem Middlecoop. Take care, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. Hey, welcome into our first segment on our Friday morning in-depth long-form interview here on the podcast. Uh, Mining Stock Daily is happy to welcome back our old friend, Mr. Willem Middlecoop. Uh, Willem, it's a pleasure to have you on. Typically, when we ha- start recording these conversations, there's a few minutes of cordial interaction. Uh, but you and I decided, <laughs> let's like, skip that. <laughs> let's skip that. Like, we have so much to talk about. We don't want to ruin our yeah. good one-liners. Uh, this week is just... Um, historical on so many yeah, levels already yeah yeah uh you know let's break that you know kind of break this down i mean I, with the short squeeze just happening in the general equities market here in the u.s it's almost like it feels like the protesting has moved away from the streets and away from the <laughs> politics and now it's hitting the equity market well you know i'm the reset guy the yeah. original the og the original gangster of the big reset <laughs> Uh, I wrote the book in 2013, The Big Reset. Um, uh, people can download it for free on our website, uh, Commodity Discovery Fund. You'll find it there. And, and I, I would like to sue the World Economic Forum. You know, Klaus Schwab, uh, he, he, is, uh, he, he stole the reset. You know, <laughs> He wrote his own book and called it The Great Reset. And we see so many amazing developments and when people ask me when will the reset start then i um, always tell them you know the reset has already started and all these um, amazing um, things happening around the world in finance in politics in geopolitics it's all part of of a decade of huge changes coming to almost every system we know 
And and when I wrote the book, you know, I was the madman <laughs> with his weird theories, and people called it uh, conspiracy theories. But now we have the World Economic Forum telling you we need a, need a great reset. Now we have uh, Mark Carney, the governor of the Bank of England, who said in Jackson Hole, we need to find a successor for the dollar. Um, now we have the new Biden administration telling us that they want to pause the student debts. And in the big reset in the book, I wrote there are three main problems to solve. One is we need to find a successor for the dollar. Well, that's official now. One, um, uh, the second one was we need debt restructurings. Um, that, that process has started now. And the third theme was we need a gold revaluation by market forces or central bankers will uh, will uh, pull the trigger. I think on, on, on all three um, uh, topics, we, we've seen the start of, uh, of, of big changes. I want to talk to you about kind of the fear factor in all of this. You know, when you talk about this, this great reset, uh, as you have, um, I, you know, I think one of the things it's hard to, for people to really understand the trajectory of this is really because there's a lot of fear that goes in because it challenges their thoughts of how the world operates. Mm -hmm. Um, and rightly so. Is, is there a re why should, should people be scared? Is there well, a fear we, aspect or and like, it, well, but how do you approach this without without the fear factor? Well, go outside and walk into your main shopping street or center and talk to the people owning the shops or owning the real estate. Go to New York City and talk to people owning restaurants or owning apartment buildings. 20% of retail rents aren't paid um, at this point in time. So, um, and of course, everybody will point to the pandemic and to Corona and COVID. Without Corona, this all wouldn't have happened. But people who have followed me and followed my books, I, I, I've been saying for 20 years, you know, big changes will be coming big crisis will will be coming it's just part of the system we have our system is in its final phase and people never understood what i meant and now we have the world economic forum telling us the videos on the website that all the systems from the 20th century won't survive in the 21st century we need new systems for everything and it's all spinned and plucked like this is to make the world more sustainable and to fight climate crisis, but that's just the spin. And in the process of change, yeah, many people will lose and a few will win. Do you feel like this change is being now being spurred from the ground up? I and mean, we see it in, you know, we saw it in protest on the streets this summer. We saw it with the U.S. political election at the Capitol a few weeks ago. And now we're starting to see retail investors with a – it's a – It's a revolution. These are revolutionary It's just forces. fascinating, Willem. I, 
Yeah. But this is like storming the Winter Palace in St. Petersburg in 1917. But, you know, it's done digitally from a computer by a few kids. But it's a revolution, you know, they're starting a revolution. Like the Trump supporters started a revolution on their own, but that, that it wasn't a typical revolution. It was a typical coup. But... Who would have imagined that something like that would have been possible in 2021? If you would have predicted that five years ago, you know, they would have locked you yeah. up. So talk to me about what we're seeing in the equities markets. I know you're based in Amsterdam. Obviously, I've seen some news that there has been some unrest, uh, protests on the lockdown uh, in Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, but since you're a couple hours ahead of us, obviously, here in the U.S., I mean, as your day progressed, or maybe as your week progressed, what were you watching through these, you know, short squeezes and gamma squeezes? Like, like were you just like, just fascinated with it all as much as we were? And you, you had a couple hours ahead of us. Yeah, well, you know, yesterday we thought this was just about some uh, speculators going after some... Um, short plays in the tech space and actually yesterday i didn't feel the need to adjust our portfolio i run a fund i run the commodity discovery fund we focus on early stage commodity plays we have 160 million uh, assets under management um and, and i didn't feel the need to change our portfolio but this morning i felt the need to change a lot because oh over the over the um, the last 12 hours, people from the Reddit community, from the Robin Hood com community started to tweet about silver, that there's a huge short open interest in silver plays. Well, that's uh, of great significance for our fund. So yesterday I took on a larger hedge position because I was getting a little nervous the way the precious metals markets were developing and I expected another leg down. But we closed this hatch position this morning, even before the markets opened in uh, New York. And because everything changed within the last 24 hours, uh, there's so much focus now on the short situation in the, the precious metal space. And as you know, these um amazing short situation on the COMEX has been ongoing for at least 20 years. I've been writing about this for at least 20, 20 years. And now you can see in the market, some people are getting a little nervous. Silver is up 5-6%. Um, silver stocks are up on average 10% as we speak today. Um, so this is a very explosive situation. And I just sent out a tweet. Um, saying that there are two kind of asset classes for the Fed and the Feds and, uh, and central bankers. Uh, one, the first kind of asset classes is all the assets, they don't want to go down. So they man manipulate markets to, um, to keep price levels and valuations high. These are the typical assets your pension fund owns. And there's a second kind of assets which you should own, which we own. And these asset prices are 
manipulated or managed uh, lower. And, and I think within the next decade, you will see the first asset class um, to be adjusted much lower and the second asset class, um, like the precious metals in which we are involved, they might uh, go a little higher. You know, I want to piggyback on what you just said, because I think one of the things that surprised me is, you know, we've studied this, <clears throat> the, the fundamentals of silver and what's been keeping silver down for so long. You know, there was a time it was kind of a 10 to 1 ratio, you know, uh, mm. and now it's more mm. like 75 to one. Uh, so, but what's interesting when I was looking through some of those Reddit, uh, uh, chat forums and getting some of the feeds from Twitter, what I noticed is that their, their base case for doing what they're doing specifically on the silver side was a lot of the same things that we have been expressing as an industry and as investment community for a long, long time. And part of me is wondering, like, you know, when it seems like we were just yelling at a blank wall, maybe there were people listening and just, you know? Well, I, I see it a little different. Um, in the German language, you have this word, which is the Zeitgeist. Um, what would it be in English? Um, it's it's the mood of the times, you know. When when there's a new generation, it brings a new attitude, a new mood, a new. And I I always I always thought that younger generations would come to the precious metals market because they understood it, because they read our stuff, and they would follow our, our line of thinking. But um, well, you're a little younger than 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 I, but I, I'm I'm 58. And our generation was never successful in convincing the younger generation about what was ongoing in precious metals market. And then Bitcoin arrived. And Bitcoin arrived because of the great financial crisis of 2008. And the start of Bitcoin was the start of a new asset class, a digital asset class. And this digital assets, that resonated with a new generation, you know? They got it right away. All our kids got it right away. They understood it. So that was the zeitgeist. The, 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 it, it, was, it was talking their language, one could say. And now from studying crypto assets, digital assets, studying Bitcoin, studying money, they learn to understand what gold is, what money is, what value is. And now they're reaching out to our space, but not because of what we told them, but because they, they made their own, they completed their own journey. And now our space and their space is, is meeting up. And in our fund, we have quite a number of younger investors now who are um, taking some of their profits from the crypto space and diversified into commodities now because they understand it's part of the same monetary system in which you have hard assets and you have assets the government can print and you have assets the government can't print. It's funny you say that because I'm happy to hear that you have younger people coming into your fund because actually looking at the demographics of this podcast, it is vastly young. 
younger than me actually like i'm 38 but a vast majority are between 28 yeah. and 40. you know why because you use the media they are used to you know podcast you don't write a newsletter which was the traditional way of informing investors i've done two interviews in 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 the netherlands with a very young bright um, girl woman 25 years old madeleine falls miss bitcoin she came from the bitcoin space got interested in the macro space invited me to do two long interviews we are a small country but these interviews were were watched they're on youtube they were watched 120,000 times in a few weeks and and that's totally different audience than the, the people who normally buy my books or are investors in my funds, it's through her, I, I reached out and connect with a totally uh, different kind of audience. And I, I think that's fascinating. I'm, I'm always fascinated by, you know, the major trends and major changes, um, not only in the financial system, but in the, in the world as a whole. It's a revolution. I, I I was telling my wife last night, I was like, today was, if you weren't paying attention to what was happening in the markets this week, you're missing one of the most dynamic um, protests or, you know, just kind of the, the small man standing up for themselves, building them, using the markets the way they've been built to kind of broaden their shoulders back a little bit. And uh, it's really fascinating. Like, I, I really hope people don't take this for granted. I'm not saying it's a healthy, like, you know, I still have concern, Willem, and I hope you share the same. But this move, this, this oh, move yeah, is not same. typical. It's not healthy. Uh, it's an anomaly. And if you're not careful, you could really get hurt financially. Yeah. But what, what I'm always of the impression that these are m m these are um, forces of nature. You know, these are waves coming from nobody knows where, 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 these, where this power comes from. But I think the, the storming of the capital we've seen, I don't think there was a very clear strategy and a plan and an organizer and a, a general. This, these are like grassroots movements. And we see the same now with the attack on the shorters. I spoke to my son. He's 19. He, he's been part of this Reddit group. And he, he was watching, uh, reading this stuff for the last 18 months. And he says, he said to me, these are just a group of autistic, uh, nerdy people who like to find... <laughs> strange investment ideas and go all in high risk high reward and now they just find something funny so there's not a, there's no plan there's no political idea about this there's no strategy <laughs> but the effects will be um very large and they they might change the way we look at shorting for the next few yeah. decades, you yeah, know? Yeah. But, so I think that's fascinating. Well, fascinating. But their, their thesis on moving into the silver space, it did seem like it was based on a fundamental reason. These markets are just overblown with derivatives. The physical space of silver does not match the paper markets. Uh, one bank has a massive short position on the silver market. 
and we're going to challenge them. Yeah, but Trevor, we know this because we've been studying this for one or two decades. They studied it for 12 or 20 hours. <laughs> Serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't study it for, for, for six or seven years. So that's what I mean by a force of nature. Certainly there's, you know, it's what astrology is all about. Certainly there's a force, there's a time, the time is, there's a time for a collapse, there's a time for revolution. Why did everything collapse in the, in, in the autumn of 2008? Yeah. You know, so I, I think trying to explain it and to predict it, that it is, is very hard. You can only talk about this in, in, in a broader sense and longer term um, because you never know what tomorrow will bring. Right, right. Okay, I, I do want to ask you about junior mining and discoveries. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the topic. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to what we were really going to talk about. No, um, so yeah. I, I want to, you know, today we're recording this Thursday morning, and maybe this has changed the um, uh, the foundation of junior mining and exploration. Who knows? We'll see as how, how the, these short squeezes progress. Obviously, silver and gold are up this Thursday morning as we are recording. Um, but we kind of got into a lull, I would say. Sentiment was not really great with junior mining or mining in general. Uh, we were seeing a lot of free paper selling uh, coming up. Uh, even companies who were able to make really nice discoveries or improve their projects maybe had a nice up move in their market cap, but then quickly got sold off. Um, so I guess my first question for you when it comes to junior mining and exploration is, you know, can you tell me what you're seeing as far as sentiment when it comes to this industry? I think um, we we are witnessing a major change in sentiment. Um, we came from this very long bear market. Actually, I was stupid enough to start a commodity fund <laughs> in 2008, which was the top of the last commodity cycle. And then we had this bear market ongoing for almost a decade and really um, made a lot of people, especially institutional investors, flee, the, flee the, this business. And we saw a bottom uh, early 2016. I bought out my partners around that time. Great bottom call. And then we saw a first recovery in 2016, very strong recovery. And then we had a retest um, in 2020 because of COVID. COVID was the last phase of this test. And actually, if you look at the graph, the valuation of commodities against S&P 500, the valuation reached a 100-year low in November 2020. So one could say that two months ago, we reached the... Uh, all-time bottom in valuation of commodities, 100-year low. And since gold has broken out in the summer of 2019, gold was the first mover. Um, now, after the recovery we have seen after the corona crash of March 2020, I think most people agree, most specialists agree that commodities are in the very first phase of a new bull market. And people, uh, investors, 
do understand this more and more. We see that in our fund. We have 1,000 of 1,000 retail investors. Um, the inflow of money in the last 12 months, 12 to 18 months, has been incredible. And we don't have to do a lot of marketing, you know. Um, people feel that this is the right time to move money into assets the government can't print with negative yielding bonds and no yield on your savings account. People understand they need to take risk. And some move to the crypto space, some move to, the, uh, to, to real estate, but real estate is overpriced. And more and more people understand that the commodity space, you know, 100 year low during a time in which unlimited amounts of uh, money is printed. Um, it's an easy sell now for us. You know, we were always these contrarians and now it's getting more and more mainstream. And that's, I think that's so important for our industry. And to come back to your analysis of the last few months, it's very healthy to have a technical correction after a first huge run. Actually, you need a correction like this and you need to feel that it could be a false move, this move upwards and a lot of newbies and weak hands will sell their shares in this move down like yesterday. Um, but I'm, I'm convinced we're at the start of a second and much stronger phase in this new bull market. And I like the Elliott wave count. So the first move last year was the wave one up. And now we're in the wave two down, the correction wave. And the third uh, wave three is often the more, um, well, more powerful, even more, more violent move up. And I think that that's, we're about to start that one. Maybe it started today. Uh, before we leave you, William, we, we've discussed such a, wide range of topics here because there was a lot to discuss this week. And I'm, I'm really glad you you and I were scheduled to have this conversation for a few weeks now. Uh, well, this was not planned. This is not yeah. something we, <laughs> it's not something we're like, oh, we should get together and chat about what just happened. Um, but I want to talk to you about as we kind of continue to progress into this unknown of, uh, of a reset and um, just people rising up and, and uh, collectively trying to make changes. I want to ask you about preserving wealth. Um, and just as we kind of progress through 2021, what are some things you would recommend to our listeners uh, to maybe think about as uh, we continue to get inundated with uncertainties? Well, I think that's why we're in this business. That's why I'm in this business. I made some money in real estate in the 1990s. And I was a student of monetary I started to uh, get a little scared of the possibility of a new crisis because every generation has its crisis. And I was looking at, uh, well, uh, from a wealth, sort of wealth point of view. And of course, then you end up in, in, in the pressure metal space. And and that's why the crypto space is interesting as well, um, because um, 
if you look at precious metals and uh, compare that to the crypto space from a supply and demand point of view, the supply of Bitcoin is um, is capped at 21 million. And that's why I understand and also use it myself uh, to put part of my money in, 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 in Bitcoin. And I, I use a very simple model. 25% of my net worth is in real estate, 25% is in physical gold and silver, 25% is in equities, and 25% I try to keep cash or liquid. And the liquid, the cash part, I also store in uh, in Bitcoin now. Um, and that um, proved to, to, to work out uh, quite well, because I've, I've followed this uh, system for the last 15 years. And um, I always tell people, you, you don't know which scenario will unfold, but whether you get deflation or inflation or hyperinflation, banks will close, storage exchanges will close. And if you stick to this system, 25, 25, 25%, you always will keep most of your assets afloat in every, in every scenario. So that's 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 the simple system I, I follow. Okay. Uh, Willem, my friend, uh, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks so much for coming on. Likewise. Yeah. It's Thank been you. too long. I hope you had a wonderful winter. And okay. Please stay safe and healthy, my friend. Okay. I'm in Switzerland now. Enjoying myself. Oh, very good. Very <laughs> Thank good. You. Thanks, everybody. We're going to take Thank a you. short break. We will be right back. back here with our second segment of our long form interview. Uh, this is a conversation I've very much been looking forward to and have had on the books for a number of weeks here. Uh, one of my favorite uh, silver miners to speak to, and that's Mr. Clint Nauman, the CEO of Alexco Resources. Uh, the uh, jury's out if Clint has had any coffee or breakfast yet since he's just waking up in New Zealand. So uh, this is the best time to get him. <laughs> Clint, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, Trevor. Uh, uh, good to be back with you, and uh, happy to see that you're uh, safe and uh, and well. Yes, you as well. You've got a little bit of a sunburn down there in New Zealand, <laughs> yeah, so for sure. <laughs> uh, I believe that's more ocean sunburn, whereas mine is mountain snow, <laughs> high country sunburn, a little bit more brutal. Uh, hey, uh, first of all, just want to say it's been a long time since you and I have connected, so. Um, a couple months, I think, it, it, since you've received that water permit uh, that really pushed uh, Keno Hill into full throttle uh, commencement of the mill and really ramping things up. So congratulations, first of all. Um, we've had news out uh, from Keno Hill and Alexico since then, obviously. Uh, so this is really just an update on what's been happening there at the project. And I'd like to start out uh, first, uh, all things aside, uh, you were laughing. Don't ask a silver miner what silver is going to do this year, but uh, it's been quite a topic in the last couple hours. I know you're just waking up and seeing all this news fly your way, but uh, you know, please give us the the bull case of why silver potentially could have a continued solid year of 2021. Well, the the um, you know we have we're very confident that uh, we are on what I call sort of the right side of the equation here. Um, you know, over the course of the last, um, you know, several 
years and exacerbated by the current, uh, you know, unfortunate circumstances of the pandemic. You know, you cannot turn away from the fact that there is a huge amount of money uh, being poured into the economy. Um, and, and we just don't see any way that that cannot affect, um, you know, the value of the dollar, the value of the dollar. And, you know, gold and silver are traditional, uh, you know, areas of preservation of wealth. Um, although people sometimes uh, try to make light of that, you know, those fundamentals really haven't changed. Um, and so you're seeing, you know, a, a, a not yet a sector rotation, but you're certainly seeing a significant increase in, in of flows of, of, of money and interest into areas where wealth can be preserved, be it real estate or, you know, preserved at least in the short term, real estate, other real assets and, and precious metals go, you know, go right along with that. I sort of appeal to a comment that I've heard in the marketplace, which is, you know, silver is like gold on steroids and it, it's highly leveraged. Um, it has both an industrial and a wealth preservation uh, component to it. Um, and it's not lost on people that the industrial consumption of silver, especially as the world comes out of this pandemic, the, the industrial consumption is going to increase into things like electronics, solar panels, electric cars, um, all of those types of things, all of which are sort of wind at silver's back. So, you know, I do not have a sophisticated thesis. Um, you know, silver prices are quite robust at the present time. We, we expect to see them, you know, even climb even further. Um, and we think it's a, you know, long-term secular uh, move and, 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 and I'd have to say that talking my own book, of course, that I think that we, you know, at Alexco Hill, at, at uh, Kino Hill and at Alexco, uh, you know, are particularly well positioned to take advantage of this, you know, strength in the, in the market. That being said, you know, we're dealing with a very high grade asset here and we've been very careful to build and put it in production so it'll operate through uh, you know, a whole cycle, a whole silver cycle. So we're not dependent upon high prices for sure. Um, yeah, so that's basically uh, my, my view. Clint, one of the things I've always respected about you since uh, you and I've got to know each other is really how you, you're always the, the, the mine engineer and the mine builder first when it comes to silver. The microdynamics of the metal itself kind of, just kind of fall into place you're getting more interested in yeah. getting kino hill up and running exactly. supporting the community yeah. um and that's really interesting i'm just kind of curious you know you're as you've progressed with that philosophy how do you kind of manage that and when you get you know idiots like me in the in the financial <laughs> media that want to come in and ask you about you know the microdynamics of silver not, not at all i mean it's just that this whole thing doesn't work without uh, people you know good people like yourself but um, I guess the simple answer to that is that, you know, I, I've always, what we're trying to do at Alexco is sort of build a business. That's what I, that's what I, that's what we, that's what I talk to my people about, to the employees about, that we want to, you know, we want to build and create, um, you know, security 
and 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 you know hopefully well for you know the community of people and stakeholders that we work for um and so and we and and, and so i'm not so much interested in um the the day-to-day -day or minute-to-minute -minute, um, activity in the capital markets i understand they're important um, I understand that we, we wouldn't be where we are without the support of the capital markets. But at the end of the day, we want to build a larger, sustainable business that, you know, that supports, that our employees can rely upon, that supports the community around us um, and, and, and is a sort of established um, as, a, as an entity that, that people can look to and rely upon uh, for, you know, good, straightforward um you know business and and community uh, work and 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 advancement well part of that business model is actually producing silver so let's get to a business here and i'm wondering can you give us an update on the commissioning of the mill uh the news you know the news was the expectation that silver concentrate was going to be starting fed into the mill q4 of last year um, just give us an update there and, and kind of what shareholders should know. Yeah, so the, the mill, uh, you know, we did initiate uh, commissioning of the mill uh, in, Q, in Q4 of last year. Um, we are working, the, the feed for the mill is being provided by a mine called Belkino. Um, it was always originally planned that that mine uh, would produce, you know, the, 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 the initial tons to commission and bed in the mill. With the various, uh, you know, upgrades and uh, and and uh, rehabilitation, reconditioning of the of the mill, that did happen uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, we did not ship concentrate in the fourth quarter primarily because um, of a timing uh, disjoint with the smelters. We 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 need to ship our concentrate from Keno Hill down to a deep water port at Skagway, put it on the water, um, and then ship it. Uh, ship it south. So the timing didn't quite work out, but we got that uh, first concentrate shipment off early uh, in January, and uh, we're you know we're shipping concentrate as we speak here. Now the the one qualification, the one thing that certainly has changed um, at Keno Hill is um, the, the the ramp up process is going to be a little slower uh, than we anticipated, primarily because. Uh, of the second wave um, of this pandemic, which has resulted in additional restrictions at the uh, provincial and territorial borders in Canada, which is which just simply makes it, you know, more management intensive and less efficient in terms of, you know, mechanical operations on site, um, and uh, you know, for purposes of safety compliant with us uh, with the with the COVID protocols um, and uh, and other measures that we have in place to ensure that we can continue to operate we would expect that that mill um, is going to go through a sort of a conditioning type and and um, and commissioning type of a, a process probably well into the second quarter um, and we would not anticipate at this point <clears throat> excuse me, being at a, a sustainable 400 tons a day through that mill um, until the third quarter of this year. So we're running maybe, you know, two to three months behind our original plan. Um, but, the, but the cause is, you know, 
issue is beyond our control. Um, you know, we are quite proud of, of our workforce. Um, you know, people have very strict protocols by which they have to both live and work. Um, and, uh, and the employees you know, continue to do a great job under those circumstances. So long story short, nothing's changed. The timeline is a little more stretched out um, and, uh, and, and, and everything is moving forward pretty, pretty well, actually, given the, given the circumstances. How frequently is Concentrate leaving the project to hit the water? I'm just curious. Well, we're going to operate the the, the operating procedure um, with the mill is to is to um, is to operate it at least as through this commissioning phase, two weeks on, two weeks off, um, simply, and that's a that's a workforce related you know issue more so than anything else, um, as well as availability of oil from the Belkino mine. So. You know, in those in those types of circumstances, you're shipping two, three, four trucks every you know every week or so, something like that. Um, and uh, and that material is being is, is you know goes on the water Monday or Tuesday of every 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 week. Okay, is this kind of you know two or three month setback that you just kind of walked us through? You know, how detrimental is that going to be to the 2021 strategy? I mean. Well, I mean, we more still, costs or anything coming down. Yeah, no, we still believe that uh, you know the, the silver production um, is is going to be you know fairly significant. I mean, it's two and a half, three million ounces is nothing to be sniffed at. Um, so um, yeah, it's a it, it is a you know it's a it's a slowdown, but it's a slowdown in a period where we're still producing silver, just not at the same rate as we had anticipated. Um, it 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 you know it has other you know other benefits and other drawbacks, obviously, and and uh, um, but it certainly is uh, you know it is moving along at present time without uh, you know without any significant uh, uh, change in 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 the interim plans that, that we have in place. We have no, we have not been surprised if you put it that way. No surprise. Okay. All right. Well, you got to keep your people safe as well. Exactly. So. Well, yeah, that paramount, uppermost in our mind. Yeah, absolutely. As well as the communities uh, in which we work. I want to get into some of your exploration work. Uh, uh, you did come out with really nice uh, drill results uh, from Birmingham. Uh, I think it was last week or a week ago, January 19th it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, just great. 3,583 grams per ton silver over eight and a half meters true width, just really nice grades. That was a headline grade. Uh, I, I want to talk about the exploration, uh, but first there there has been a lot of discussion about the uh, financing the bot deal flow through share you did uh, immediately after that. Uh, can you kind of walk us through kind of the timing of all this and why the company needed to go raise money at that point? Okay, so I mean, first of all, um, uh, you know, the, the expiration was, um, you know, 2020 expiration, uh, which, you know, we were, you know, very forthcoming about what we were doing here, drilling, you know, deep holes, looking for, um, you know, deeper extensions of this in a Birmingham ore body, um, which, you know, contains um, you know, 30 to 32, 33 million ounces in the indicated category, 
um, you know, the, the resource grade is 900 grams. Um, the reserve grade inside of that is about the same, uh, sort of a, uh, you know, sort of a grade even after it's diluted. So it's a, it's a very high grade ore deposit. Um, and it has geological characteristics, we thought, of something that could be or should be bigger than what we were seeing. So the 2020 exploration um, simply uh, confirmed that fact. It drilled, you know, relatively thick sections, as you stated, of very high grade material or, you know, robust grade uh, material over a length of about, you know, half a kilometer, about, you know, 150 meters below the already established, you know, deposit or, or, or reserve. Um, so that's a significant discovery at, at Keno Hill. You know, the, although it's not strictly um, compliant with, with normal statistical rules, I sort of view this thing. If you look at the holes that we had drilled down there, they're on an average of six to seven meters thick. And the grades are somewhere in the range of on average now, you know, 70 to 75 ounces per ton silver. So it, I mean that. Is, so so those grades are in fact, you know, they're, they're twice the grade that we are seeing in the shallower deposit, which is already going into production. Qualified by the fact that you know it's speculative. These holes are 100 feet apart. We have no, we have no, you know, guarantee that they're, you know, it's going to be continuous. But I can tell you from a geological perspective that given our knowledge in this district, this looks like a very promising discovery. So then we find ourselves faced with this point that, you know, we could have, um, you know, a significant number of ounces down here. And I've been quite, I guess, bullish in saying that if there are the number of ounces down here that, you know, that we could speculate might be present, there's enough to sort of strategically change our view on what Keno Hill is, in other words, Birmingham could be a much bigger deposit. The largest deposit in this district was 90, historically was 90, 95 million ounces. This Birmingham discovery is, is by coincidence, it's right next door. And it has all the earmarks of a deposit that's gonna be much larger. If that's the case, then the whole, the whole sort of headspace that we're in of a 400 ton per day to maybe 500 ton per day, seven to eight year mining operation, you know, is simply gonna be, you know, superseded by, by, you know, by this discovery. So then the question arises, well, do we wanna know about that now or do you wanna know about later? I've also been quite forthcoming in saying that no matter what we find here, it's not gonna change the mine plan. Um, you know, the mine plan of Birmingham is to get into those high grade areas and, and mine them and nothing's gonna change there. But when you start looking down the road, you know, five, six, seven years at, at Keno Hill, a discovery like this could very well change the long-term view um, of, the, uh, of the district. And it was our decision that we would rather know how much, you know, how, what kind of a resource, how many, how many ounces do we have here sooner rather than later. We could have waited um, Trevor, and, and until we got underground and drilled this thing from underground, we decided to drill it from the surface. They're going to be long holes. Um, there's a lot of them um, in order to close down the spacing. So we have, you know, enough confidence to, to put, 
you know, this discovery into a resource category, into indicated resources. And it's gonna cost a significant amount of money, eight to nine you know, million dollars. Um, and, and that was the basis of the financing. Now, the other thing, and you sort of touched on the other aspect of that, and that is that with the slower ramp up at Keno Hill, the, 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 the working capital that we need to have needs to be you know, maintained. And so we have a, a longer sort of you know, ramp up or, or you, know, um, uh, you know, building period on that, on that working capital. And we did not want to jeopardize that. Uh, and, 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 and we wanted to be sure that, you know, if there were another surprise coming, God help us, you know, on the pandemic side, that we could continue to sort of incrementally move forward. Um, so that was the reason that we did that financing. Um, and it, it'll enable us to, you know, pull the trigger on this new exploration program starting here, you know, within the next four to six weeks. Um, and I would hope that by the fourth quarter of this year, that we'll be in a position to restate the resources on this property, including this new discovery, assuming that you know that exploration is is successful. So that's a long-winded answer. I know. Yeah. It's important that you see all the pieces here, in my view. Absolutely, and I absolutely respect that. I, you know, for the last couple of years, you've been very open about the excitement of Birmingham and how it really could be an operational changer for the mine. And we're starting to see that through the drill results. And I, and I very much respect being cognizant and respectful of the variables in cash flow because of this right. time we're in. Right. I, I very much understand that. I think, you know, as a shareholder of Alexico based in the United States, it was one of those things I saw, I saw that headline, the financing. It's like, well, we get a little bit dilution in the financing. I can't participate in, because it's flow through, you know, and it's it's all Canadian. So you know, I think, and you probably got an earful a little bit. I'm assuming because you know this is one of the things that my listeners wanted me to ask you about was the timing of this financing. Yeah, but I I I appreciate you being very honest. And now now it's kind of out in the open. It's like I think people can make sense of this all, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm a large shareholder here too. So I mean, I'm so I I, I am sensitive to. Um, to what you're to what you're saying here, but you know, dilution. <clears throat> the dilution was you know was relatively small. The premium in Canada right. was you know very attractive, 25, 27 percent um, on the uh, um, you know on, on on the on the most of that flow through. So um, it, it, trust me, it was the right thing. It was the right thing to do. Um, and 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 actually, um, you know, I didn't get. I, there was a fair amount of support actually that came out of uh, especially uh, shareholders we have uh, in the United States and, and on the East Coast that uh, they also saw the, the potential for this type of thing to be, you know, I don't want to use the word game changer, but it could, you know, it is going to change people's perception, I think, of Keno Hill, assuming that this year's round of exploration is, uh, is successful. The other thing to remember about this is that this discovery is essentially within a stone's throw of existing infrastructure that we're currently putting in at Birmingham. Um, so um, you know, it's just an additional incentive to understand what we might, what we might be, what we might have here. Um, you know, mm -hmm. understand that now rather than later. Yeah. Uh, 
very supportive of it. I really appreciate it. You know, it's just, unfortunately, we're in an industry where people go and finance after good drill results and, and dilute and dilute and dilute. And that's just been this conception that has plagued this yeah. industry. Yeah, and, no, it, it, and, that's, and that is in the front of my mind for sure. Um, you know, from my perspective, quite, quite simply, the other side of it, uh, you know, was, you know, the opportunity was there, let's do it, get it behind us, get the exploration program underway, not dilute our attention from the key issue here, which is getting Kino Hill, moving it towards and into production at a sustainable 400 tons a day, 4 million ounces of silver per year. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I didn't want that hanging out there. Um, you know, we want our people to stay absolutely focused on the, on the, on the cash flow generating generating opportunity here. Okay, so that leads into my next question. I'm glad you mentioned the cash flow generating opportunity. You mentioned building a business, a business strategy. You're going to be producing maybe a little bit later than you had anticipated. Right. Yeah. But I think everybody wants to know: Will this be the last financing? Uh, I, I don't see any reason why we would, you know, finance, uh, you know, again, once we, when, once we get this thing, you know, up and running, I always say you should never say never. Um, right. but yeah, no, I mean, this, 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 this business needs to survive off the back of its own cash flow for sure. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, what's coming down the pipeline next? I mean, more 3,000 grams per ton silver yeah. grades over wide meters, hopefully. Yeah, so there's, uh, you know, it, it, I, I don't want to sort of overplay it. I mean, but, but, I, but I have been kicking around Keenan Hill for quite a while. And, 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 and I, I guess I'm kind of an excitable person. And this has certainly created a lot of excitement in, in, in my mind. Um, and uh, so, yeah, there'll be... Um, there'll be a lot of holes that are going to be drilled, um, you know, in this, uh, in this discovery to try and figure out, you know, what it is. So, and I fully expect that some of those holes are going to be pretty, pretty, pretty impressive. Um, well, I'm, ob I'm obviously biased, um, but well, I think it's remarkable, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kino Hill is not only Yukon's next great mine, um, which needs to happen and we need more of, up in the territory, but it really is North America's next great silver mine. And that has something that's, that's a, that's a huge thing to, to carry around. Right. Yeah. So. And, 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 um, it, you know, it is, it will be the only primary silver producer in Canada. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it's in a jurisdiction where, you know, we get to keep the benefits of our margin. Um, so, it, you know, it, it, there's, it, it, it has a jurisdictional um, premium attached to it in, 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 in my book. So I wouldn't want to have, I, you know, I much prefer to have this type of deposit or these types of deposits in a tier one jurisdiction than maybe some other places in the world um, that, that are silver producers. Hmm. So yeah, yeah we're, we're pretty happy to be where we're at. Well, I'm sure you're looking forward to getting back there. It's been some time, so I'm sure everybody misses you. But yeah, it's uh, you know the travel. I have been up and back a couple of times. The travel um, issues are fairly you know are fairly rigorous, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and yeah, just hopefully the vaccine rollout here 
um, is uh, is is uh, working reasonably well, especially uh, in Canada. Um, they're already vaccinating in the north in Canada. So uh, yeah, we're hopeful that we can work our way through this uh, in the short term. Uh, Clint, I'll let you go have some breakfast and a coffee now. <laughs> so appreciate your time and uh that was a great conversation thank you so much for the update uh, it's, it's really we i think you answered all of our questions and i appreciate your honesty and uh, uh your trustworthiness for me to come in and ask you these on air and and all that stuff so it's a pleasure to chat with you once okay again. anytime trevor thank you it's Clint Nauman, ceo of alexco resources they trade on the tsx and the nysc with the symbol axu the information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decision.